0: Uh, speaking of not good enough, your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys uh, really didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain?
1: No, we love that. We love going without a point in, in three days for sure. It's great. He said it. He loved it. He's enjoying yeah. every second of it. He wants to be a carrot. No, Leon Dreisaddle yesterday after getting absolutely dismantled by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Thirteen to one combined over a three-game series in which they had a chance to actually overtake the Toronto Maple Leafs for first in the North Division. Uh, wh- like that's the direct opposite of of what they expected in Edmonton, and it was enjoyable every last second of it. Even though they they didn't make history with the third straight shutout with three straight goalies, they did get three straight wins for. The first time – or, sorry, the seventh time in franchise history. Three straight wins by three different goalies. Congratulations, Toronto Maple Leafs. You are truly a juggernaut.
0: I'm really enjoying this whole every Canadian team coming to play the Leafs going, and now we're about to turn things around. Buddy, and we're going to do it. And then the it's Jets like, bang, 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 Oh, go back in your hole. And it's like, whoo, Okay. What is Edmonton radio like today? They're like, well, we tried. Uh, We went out there and the guys, they got the goal in those three games and that was great. We really enjoyed that. What's your favorite part about that clip? Because I have 10 things I want to talk about about that clip. That clip is almost bigger than the the whole story. Like that clip is amazing.
1: So, it's so easy to dunk on the reporter asking the question, right? And it probably yeah. wasn't phrased the, the best way no, I love the reporter. No, I don't, how
0: dare you? Don't go after that reporter.
1: But I, I don't know who the reporter was, and I, I don't know, know what either. medium they work for. <laughs> Someone at us. For our purposes, it did its job, right? Like, that's what oh, you're trying to do. You're yeah. trying to get a response. Like, yeah. how else are you supposed to phrase it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I love how it's talking in the third person about, hey, the top players, of which I I'm know. talking to one of the yeah, two. I know. Uh, <laughs> you guys really sucked uh, all three games. Uh, was that frustrating to suck? I mean, I know <laughs> I know that no. that sounds like a bad question, but what are you supposed to say?
0: The, the top players... And the obvious Leon Dreisadel is the team's second best player. Yeah. But also, it's almost, it almost sounds like a chirp like, hey, you're not even part of that group anymore because you stink because you got no points. Uh, You got that assist. I guess you shot it off a pad and someone else tucked it in. But, um, what what about all the other guys, like, who are actually good on this team? Not you, obviously. You excluded because I'm not saying you and the other players. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying the other top players, the good ones, <laughs> not you, Dreisaitl. But I just love how he says, hold up your end of the bargain. That's so great. Like, I love that. That's so awesome. And I don't know why, again, this reporter will probably get skewered for it. And you're right. It doesn't sound overly professional, but... That is kind of the deal. That is your yeah. hold up, the end of the bargain. That's what the money's for. You do get. What does he make? Eight and a half. Because his contract is incredible. Leon Drysaddle's. He's basically got the the next best to the McKinnon deal. Mm. But yeah, that's it. That's your end of the bargain. Is you go out there and score a bunch of points. You go out there and provide offense, and your team got one goal over three games. And yeah, Drysaddle is capital T triggered, and good. If I'm an Oilers fan, I think hey. This was awful. This was embarrassing. I don't know how we ever show face after this. Like, they're so glad there's stay-at-home orders and that they can't come out of their homes and see the Maple Leafs fans going around, right? Mm -hmm. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, the pandemic is now a gift for you because you get to stay at home and there's no – you're not hiding. You're just doing the right thing. You're playing it safe. You're helping (laughs) everyone else. But I at least want to see – that kind of a reaction where you're so pissed off and you realize what's happened for you and you understand the opportunity that's been missed. So back to the thing about snuffing out a chance. I was thinking about this a little last night, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but this is on track for no Canadian fan base ever being able to basically talk to a Maple Leafs fan ever again about anything.
1: Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, I can't wait, though, for the Jets fans to work themselves into the same lather that Canadians fans and Edmonton Oilers fans have in a couple of games because that's happening. They got the Canucks right. next, and then they got the Canucks on Saturday. Then it's three uh-huh. against the Jets, who they've only played once, and that was their first or what was it, their second most complete game after the the Ottawa second game. Mm-hmm. But well, that's the they're... team now now in second place in, in this division. And so they're, they're next up, <clears throat> and they're saying, you know what, you, we haven't tested you yet. So we're, we're, you know, we're not afraid of that, but yeah, man, this is turning into a situation. We're doing
0: those shows too. Like we need those shows (laughs) because Hey, there's it's a two things can be true thing is one. I think the Leafs are very good, but also the division is doo-doo baby. Like it's not good. These teams are quite bad. And I know Edmonton was flying high and they were really hot and maybe they're better than this. And I just they're clearly not on the same level as the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't lose in this fashion and then get to say, well, it was just a bad three games. Like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. They hammered you. And in a game where you're supposed to basically have I don't want to say your season on the line, but a lot of pride on the line, you came up with one goal and the Leafs beat you 6-1. Like, I'm sorry, you don't get to say you're in the same class as the Leafs right now. The division is bad. The Leafs are really, really, really good. We'll find out, though. Winnipeg is basically the last hope. Winnipeg is the last hope for this division to remain somewhat competitive because no one else has even been able to come close. And this is what I'm saying about the rest of the Canadian hockey fans is, you know, when, when we are back in the before four times, you used to go to other teams' arenas as a Leaf fan, and they would chant 67 at you. Mm-hmm. Right? That was the, that's the chirp. That's the universal chirp of every arena. Good luck doing that now. Like coming out of this, no, I'm dead serious. Good luck doing that now. Leafs end up winning this North division. They come out of this, they roll through this season, and then they come out of it and end up in a conference final. It's genuinely like first of all, Vancouver, like you've never won Ottawa, you've never won mm-hmm. Calgary it's been a hundred years like Montreal, great, like it's also now been a hundred years. Everybody's in the same boat. This is actually a hey. You got taken to the woodshed for an entire season by the Toronto Maple Leafs. The big, sexy franchise that everybody follows took you out behind the barn and spanked you, all of you, and each gave everybody a turn and was like, who's next for the huge spanking, the huge embarrassment? Like, thank goodness, again, for these fans that they didn't have to go to any of these games, that they're not complaining about not being able to go because Leafs fans would have been filling up their arenas and then spanking you 6-1. On the third consecutive night after beating you with Michael Hutchinson? Like, oof, that's no good. That's no good. So I actually do think that this is kind of changing the tenor of the way that uh, fans are going to interact with one another for a while. Like, truly. Like, you, th- th- these other teams better hope and pray that the Leafs are going to lose in the playoffs because this is going to last forever. Like, this is a forever thing.
1: Yes. Okay. You kind of just skipped over the most important part. Is I think you're right. As long as they get out of this division in the playoffs, yep. like as long as they win two series, end up in a Stanley sure. Cup semifinals. And the confidence yes, is growing there, buddy. It's yes. I, I, I'm not going to do this, but believe me, when I tell you that this is my nature is to think of the worst possible scenarios that the Maple Leafs would not run today. through this season. Not and today, yes, Satan. but yeah it's looking more and more like those two series are not going to be long ones necessarily Mm -hmm. although it's hockey you know you never know but yeah no if they win those two series against whoever it is in this north division i think you're right even if they don't win a cup and they run into tampa and it's a long series doesn't matter like they that it's supposed to be baby steps as well i viewed this three game series much in the same way and we've compared the two teams and the feeling watching these two teams Um, Because it's win after win after win. The 2015 Blue Jays in the second half of the season and after the trade Mm -hmm. deadline. That first series after the trade deadline, I remember it well, as do you, I imagine, because there was so much excitement and, you know, we're getting the two-low trade and then the last second, it's David Price. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. You're not in the playoffs yet. You're like, Mm -hmm. this is all just theoretical at the moment. And guess who your first team is that you get to face after assembling what you think is a juggernaut? It's the the team you're chasing directly for that playoff spot, the Minnesota Twins, four-game series. Okay, this is going to be really telling to see where you stand. Bang, 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 bang. 26-12, to 12, they swept the four-game series. They ended up in a playoff spot by the end of it, and they never looked back. This is... A similar feeling, where no game was close. It was clear the the pecking order, uh, the the feeling has been growing as far as feeling like the seventy three win Warriors, feeling like the twenty fifteen Blue Jays win after win after win. That's how I feel now after that three game series. That you were kind of had your guard up. You thought maybe it could go both ways. You'd really have an idea of where you stood. I I feel pretty confident that uh, the Blue or the Maple Leafs are. What I thought they were going into this thing.
0: Yeah. I really wasn't looking at the standings going into this series. Like, you kept bringing it up when you did good goalie, bad goalie, those takes, Mm -hmm. about how the Oilers could catch them and all whatever. You and uh, that Edmonton guy I quote tweeted... Like, that was you two. You guys were on the corner of like, hey, could get real spooky out there. Could get real and t- hairy. But it actually was a possibility. Like, you could have come out of this series with, wow, you know, this whole season, thinking the Leafs are the number one team and all this stuff, and they end up in this series with the Oilers. And, well, you know, it's excuse-making time. They had Hutchinson for a game. They were missing Matthews for two of the games, right? Like, no Freddie Anderson for two. And instead, it's just, yeah, whatever. They were missing a bunch of guys, and... They missed their best player for two games and they missed their goaltender for two games and it's just a spank show the whole way through. There was never a doubt. And this is the strange one, man. I don't know when the last time was where Leaf fans could be, like, really proud. Mm. Where it's like, what's this feeling? Pride? Pride of the team? They could have so let up last night and lost to that Oilers team and you would have been, like... No resistance, no criticism, no anything, right? And yeah, they I didn't.
1: Mean, and the the one argument, like the, we're running out of things to poke holes in, right? Even our mm-hmm. thing about our joking thing about champagne problems. A couple of them died yesterday, <laughs> like Jimmy VC scores mm-hmm. a couple of times. Relax, uh, Ilya Mikheyev is scoring. The 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 scoring depth of this team seems to be growing, 7 goals, 18 points for the bottom 6 over the last 3 games and even when this team has gone through runs of success during regular seasons of years past it was like, well, that style of play is not really sustainable and when that team plays a, a better team a more lockdown team a more cohesive unit that's not going to look like it does when they're run and gunning and just you know, scoring off the rush that's not what this team is doing This team is suffocating oppositions. It's now lasted four straight games because you go back to that last game against the Flames. They're getting better. Even in this series, they got better. In the three-game series, they got better. First game, we're like, that's the most complete 60 minutes they played. Second game, it's like, that was even better. Third game, it was, okay, now the offense is now exploding and the, the power plays back to being a juggernaut, and they're still suffocating the opposition. I don't know what else there is to say as far as criticism of this team
0: well i don't I don't believe that there is going to be the let up that some people are fearing, the complacency. And we've already gone over it, so I don't need to go over it again because we do it just about like the last three shows. I do wonder the value about adversity though, and whether or not it is a important part of a season to go through that. like I, I was thinking about it with that lightning team after you referenced them the other day. Where in 2019, they roll through everybody and then they hit the playoffs and they face adversity and they, they can't climb out of it. Mm-hmm. Part of me says, well, they've got a lot of veterans who have faced it before and this you know young core has gone through it before with adversity, all of that stuff. So maybe it's already built in, but you never know. I don't. Well, I'll ask Christopher Steig about it later. But I don't believe in the complacency because I, I just think that this group has really matured. I think that they are far more talented. And last night, yeah, you you emphasize the depth scoring. Like I just think the Leafs are better than all of these teams everywhere. Like I don't think anybody does anything better than the Leafs right now. Goal tending, they've got the best goal tending. Blue line, they have the best blue line. Forward groups, they got the they've got the like best group of stars right now out of any team especially when you consider like okay fine you want to do the dry settle McDavid thing like with their one point over three games over Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner sure but then the secondary guys like Tavares and Nylander and now Zach Hyman all of a sudden like to me that's just it's non-comparable so it's like there's no facet of any team that I would rather have than the Toronto Maple Leafs and so it's really hard for me to believe that one of these groups is going to overtake them the only one like you said is still the Jets where they have to prove it against the Jets um, I just think they will. I, I just I just think that they will. And I don't have any reason to not. And it's why I've just been cleaning up in sports betting this year because we always do this thing. Every line is always, you know, our, our boys at CoolBet, it's always, hey, Leafs, it's not that big of a favorite because this team's going to play desperate hockey and you just click that Leafs button and you make free money this year. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is incredible. Quick comparison to that 2018-2019 Lightning when you mentioned it because mm-hmm. I did... Yeah, I I brought it up and I was thinking about it and the same thing and about that Blue Jacket series. Going through that regular season the way we did and reading everything and and seeing the highlights, not just of the games, but post-game and the celebrations they were doing and all the fun little quirky things that they really felt like the Harlem Globetrotters, they bought into their own hype, I think, during that regular season, that they were Mm. this team that was just so offensively gifted that they were going to bludgeon you with 5 and 6 goals a game. And maybe that happens to this Leafs team. I just think there's too many scars on this team. There's too many seasons in which expectations have been high and they haven't mm. been reached during the regular season, but they've gone into the playoffs and stubbed their toe. That I just I have a tough time seeing it, man. Like I just mm. I know it's been impressive and I know they've just answered every single every single test during this regular season. I just I, – I cannot put my mind there that there's a similar line of thinking between this it's team not, and that, it's not about that though. 19 Lightning.
0: Well, one, I think you're making a huge – you're taking a huge, huge, huge leap with the whole, like, thinking of the Lightning. To me, it's more about what happens when you get punched in the mouth first and how you respond, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you get up if you got knocked down first? So if the Leafs fall down 2-0 in a series somehow, you know, they get a couple of bad bounces – are they going to play from behind? Are they just learning an entire season of how to play as front runners? Like, how does that operate? I, I don't. I think that is a season to season thing. I think that is a group to group thing. Like I said, I want to ask Versteeg about it later. Um, we have John Scott coming up too, because obviously he had the he's he had a take that the Leafs aren't any different and about only the division, and so. Yeah, I think going to take him to task a little on that take because it makes what we heard the clip makes no sense. So I want to basically try and clarify it. So a couple things from that game. One, I can't believe Zach Hyman. Like, do you have the same feeling when you're watching him right now? I know that we do this with down the lineup guys sometimes, and the 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 guys who quote unquote do it the right way, mm-hmm. and. This isn't to overshadow other guys who are obviously playing better, but Zach Hyman is driving that line. And that play where he took Bear out wide and sets up the Mikheyev goal and just the the nature of his play right now where he feels dangerous constantly, and I know it's because he's coming off of games where he's had goals and he's had some good finishes, so maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but Zach Hyman just looks better. He's been obviously dealing with injuries And you look at his, okay, this is always tough for me. and This is not to crap on analytics, and I know when you say that, it sounds like you're doing it. But if you looked at just his possession metrics, for example, right, they would show you that he is not having a very good season compared to some of his other ones. They would go, oh, man, his uh, Corsi Ford, not very good. Fenwick, mm, not very good. But this guy is starting in the D zone almost 60% of the time. And his line is constantly feeling threatening lately. And I know we're doing the thing about, hey, the third line is you're going to keep that together until they give you a reason not to. I think that he and Mikheyev are the primary reasons behind that. I don't think that's any debate. But I think there's even a gap between what Hyman is doing and what Mikheyev is doing. And Mikheyev beat Connor McDavid in a foot race yesterday <laughs> as if Oilers fans didn't need anything else most embarrassing. They're like, at least <laughs> at McDavid's least the faster. fastest guy. It's like, no, he's not. He's not faster. And then Mcaev bodied him. He's not. He's faster Any stronger. Like, no big deal. Like, <laughs> at least if he could finish, he'd be McDavid. Just say it. Um I I love watching Zach Hyman every single night and and it really is changing the team when it comes to hey where's the third line what's the third line going to be Zach Hyman is now the third line
1: yeah that's the key is that this is a guy who's put up points, he's 20-goal season, he's been a top-six player. This is a guy who's right. played with the most elite offensive players in the National Hockey League. He's but a 20-goal with-
0: season, banging it home in front of the net, right? Like yeah. What was his shooting percentages in years past? This must have been ridiculously high because this guy's only shooting when it was tap-ins.
1: Yeah, but now he's playing with a guy with some of the worst hands in the nhl Uh despite scoring again uh yesterday Ilya mikhayev and yeah maybe he gets closer to his shooting percentage of a year ago which i think was eight percent and he going into yesterday was at four uh and he's playing with another guy who not that long ago we're like is this guy long for the nhl and he is looking dangerous offensively every Mm -hmm. single game but looking like he has hands all of a sudden that's the key to me he looks confident offensively with the puck on his stick, and whether that's taking an extra half second in front of the net to find a better shooting lane, or whether that's dangling out of the corner, yeah, I'm I'm with you. He's driving this line offensively, which is now scoring.
0: I I just couldn't be more impressed. And again, like when we're doing the champagne problems, that is to me becoming just the those are still the two right, the Freddie Anderson contract and the Zach Hyman contract. It sucks. That's just being again. A sports fan in a salary cap league, where you have to be at least aware of those things being a possibility, and yeah, I just, I, I, I keep wondering what his deal is going to look like because he's just awesome. Like, you know, they're showing even one of his highlights last night, and it's the one where he's in the corner against Darnell Nurse, and he's creating, and it's just this. So you can nitpick at the one where it's Bear and he's driving Bear, and it's like, okay, great. Like, how good is he? But. He's done it against Arnold Nurse. He does it against good competition every night. Like he brings you all of the elements of a hockey player that you necess- like that you want. And then w- when the scoring is a bonus, but then you're actually providing that offense. It's like again, I I don't know how you, how he is being judged from that standpoint. But to me, he's just he's one of the most important Maple Leafs players. He has been he has been underrated before. I think yeah. he's becoming a little bit more properly rated now. But this, to me, is is now evidence that we didn't have before with him, which is that again he can drive a line, that he can be the best player on a on a good line. That that's a different component to Zach Hyman.
1: Yeah, he's just going to eat it too. It's like, hey, Zach, we know you clearly yep. have the talent to play in the top six. We know yep. you've succeeded in a role with Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner. But you know what else? We really need some scoring depth, and that third line is super dangerous, and we can put you – we can abuse you as far as zone starts and put you up against top top competition, and you're going to shut them down, and now you can score, so that's what you're going to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he his head's at as far as the contract at the end of the season.
0: So my other thought of last night's game was, again, outside of how embarrassing it must be for the Oilers and their fans – CJ wrote an article, Chris Johnson wrote an article, I think two days ago, where he called Spetza and Thornton cap unicorns. And it's a really good article, and people should go out and read it. And basically, he's outlining how on their dollars, they are doing so much more than everybody else that's comparable to them. Like you forget that Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton are both making $700,000 this year. And if you're trying to compare what other teams have for 700000 it's like these are the most effective players behind those two on other teams. Michael Delzado, Alexander Volkov, Patrick Marlowe sneakily. Like, it's, it's not a very strong list, man. Drake Kajula. Like, it's not exactly... Oh, wow, this team's got that guy for this? Those two last night... Thornton on the power play to set up the 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 Tavares goal, and Spetz on the broken play to set up VC second. They're just, I I think, a little understated where. Those guys just make those passes. Those guys just make those plays. They just don't make those mistakes. They're both so good. To have those guys on those deals, it's going to be one of the most important things moving forward for the Leafs to stay competitive is being able to get guys like that. And I don't know if you'll ever get these two guys on these deals at these points in their career. Like, it's incredible to think about how when Jason Spezza first came to the Leafs and even before the Babcock controversy, people kind of looked at it and went, really? The guy that the stars were scratching in the postseason, this is who Toronto's going to get. It's just a landing spot for guys that are completely washed. There's, you, you talked about scars earlier, right? Scars of a fan base that, or for the team of not doing it in the playoffs. I think there were scars for the fans who had seen pre-salary cap, if you're of our age, where the Leafs went out and got guys like Phil Housley where they, they were not the same guy anymore and it was well past the due date, and you kind of ended up here. I don't know. Jason Allison is an Eric Lindros when he came here. These guys are not that. It's amazing. You thought that's what this was. Okay, Ontario guys wanting to finish their careers here. That's nice. Okay, cool. You're going to end up with a Lindros jersey like my brother and never really wear it, or then say, well, if he had stayed healthy or something, or if he'd been here earlier, all this different stuff. The value you're getting from those guys we keep saying like it's not just it's the room it's the room thornton in the room spets in the room the respect it's what they do on the ice primarily right now mm. like i didn't see a scenario where those two guys were going to have this kind of import for them on the ice where both are so good and both make one of those little plays every single night like this has been a grand slam off season for the leafs like again vc has been probably the most disappointing and i thought it was a little overstated not to take away from him, like he breaks in on the one goal no one touches him and the puck bounces perfectly and the other one jason mm-hmm. spezza sets up on a breakdown but like what's the nitpick from the off season so far
1: oh there isn't one barabanov like uh and, but yeah.
0: barabanov also has looked fine at times he's a depth player yeah, score, making basically but, no yeah. money who's done things like tj brody I, I don't know if people watched the intermission where Elliot broke down his his play. It's so true. This guy just every night is doing completely understated things that you don't necessarily notice, but he's been of critical importance. Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza on those deals, knowing that Wayne Simmons is going to come back. I, yeah. Th- getting these veterans, I, I think that this will probably change Kyle Dubas's philosophy, and it's a luxury that he's gotten because it is this market, and it's something that people have been hoping for for a long time, which is guys would come here at the end of their careers hope to compete with these young guys and take team-friendly deals but yeah I do think that the days of trying to mine as much gold from the Marlies we've said it before is going to be a little bit more passe and you will see hopefully anyways over the next couple of years more guys like this end up in Toronto filling in on those depth spots.
1: Well, especially when the salary cap is not going up exponentially. It's going to remain yep. flat with the pandemic, and there's going to be teams that won't even go to the salary cap considering the amount of revenue that they've lost over the last year, year and a half. So, yeah, man. No, there's going to be more Jason Spezza's, uh, you would hope, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But he's at 15 points now. He's more than halfway... Oof to his point total of a year ago in just 23 games playing actually fewer minutes than he yeah. was a season ago is playing, he averaging double digit minutes he is 1035 this year it was 1050 oh, yeah, okay. last year so yeah, yeah just barely <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well done jason spezza it's uh, funny though
0: right because you think spezza should be playing more but it's working so well that you can't really uh-huh. criticize it
1: no, and now you have a yeah. third line that looks good, and William Nylander is back into one of his scoring yeah. streaks, and looks super confident with the puck again. Yeah. Nylander looks yeah. like a
0: new man over the stretch. Mm-hmm. I, I, like he's got to do the Bobby Boucher thing, you know, from the Waterboy, where he pictures everyone as the doubters. He just needs to picture Edmonton Oilers uniforms.
1: Yeah, pretty well like on everybody. Yeah, it's whatever he's doing, it's working. Hey, all this week from 5 to 7 on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, it's Rash, Madani and Stephen Brunt. Guests today include David Fisdale and Craig Simpson. Check them out today and tomorrow. Tim and friends coming up on Monday, March 8th on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet. I can't wait to see who the first friend is. Uh, you haven't gotten a call, have you? Are you a friend? I'm, I am I might be a friend. <laughs> oh, oh let that dangle out there. Our next guest is from Alberta, so you probably sympathize with the uh, feeling emanating from that province today. Chris Versteeg, former NHL forward of the NHL on sports, and kind enough to join us. How's it going, Chris? How are they feeling out there?
2: It's good. Not good times in Alberta right now. Nope. No.
1: Beautiful mountains.
2: No, there. sir. No, yeah. I think uh, the yeah, sun's coming so... out, though. We do get more sun out in Alberta than you do here, so there's, that's coming.
1: <laughs> Great. All right. The hockey team stinks. Cool. Yeah.
0: What else does Alberta have? Cuz obviously not hockey, not better hockey. It's pretty clear at this point. <laughs> so like maybe we do a couple of listing of some things Alberta has. Like oil, like you guys got that. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. What else? I'm from uh, I'm from Not egg as much central. tax.
2: No, not as much tax. Yeah. Egg central, you know, we have egg. My dad, he sells sells tractors. He actually sells Kubota. So if anyone ever needs a Kubota, let me know. I'll set him up with my dad. Yeah. Discounted? Discounted. Well, I don't know. I got to ask the people from Kubota, but so they probably okay. don't agree with that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, even still, you know, a little plug for Kubota right there. All right. So, like, more sun, sometimes. Good. Mm-hmm. Check. Oil. Check. Less taxes. Check. Mountain. Pos- possibly cheaper Kubotas. Possibly. Yeah. Very I'm going
2: to have list. to check in with the old man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, but yeah, the hockey team stinks uh, and are nowhere near the level of the Toronto Maple Leafs and even the best player, quote-unquote, I guess we got to say, on earth, couldn't crack uh, the score sheet in three games. Um, and I thought at least there would be some physical pushback, especially the way Game 2 ended. Were you surprised that there wasn't basically any of that yesterday?
2: Well, first off, Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet. That yes, is I'm in so. Alberta. We we will agree to disagree, even though I agree Matthews is making his way up the charts. But so where this all for me, for Edmonton, and I'm speaking on Edmonton, because Toronto, you don't even really got to talk about much. This team proves that they have a ton of character. They have a deep lineup. I still believe they're a third line center away from being a true cup contender. But for me, they're a very, very good hockey club. But for Edmonton, it starts with watching who McDavid's playing with. And that's taking Ryan Nugent Hopkins off his wing. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is huge for either playing with Drysidle or McDavid. But who do you want to keep happy, right? Drysidle plays really well with Yamamoto mcdavid needs to play with nugent hopkins and you can tell looking at him over this stretch that he didn't have a guy like nugent hopkins to consistently get him the puck with speed to open up space for him and nugent hopkins is one of the smartest players on the planet not in the league he just can't get to the speed and the level that Drysidle, matthews and mcdavid can but mcdavid looked frustrated and i don't believe it was his play i believe it was with his who he was playing with not saying I, I would like Neal and Nugent Hopkins with him, you know, so you kind of have a bit of a different look. But for me, it continues. He goes with Archibald, and then he goes with Ennis, and Ennis is good too, but they're not Nugent Hopkins. So give him someone to play with, and that's where it all starts with me looking at the Oilers. It's just a frustration factor for McDavid.
0: Yeah, and they've got a decision with Nugent Hopkins this offseason, right? Like this is what we were talking about this with Louis de yesterday, but this Oilers team has a really tough offseason ahead of them with how they're going to allocate some of the cap, especially if it stays flat, which I'm guessing that it basically will how they're going to pay certain guys, how they're going to improve in certain areas. And like that only gets a little bit more difficult if, you know, you have to pay Ryan Nugent Hopkins even more than he's making right now. So the same you question is find in a Toronto way, though. today though. Like, you I have know to find well, they a do, way. but <laughs> it's like, but you pay him more, and then it's like, okay, so what are you going to do with the blue line? Because you're losing Larson. It's like, okay, you're going to get Clefbaum back, but yeah. you're like those, it doesn't look like it's any easier to build out that blue line. And then what are do you doing net? You're eventually going to have to pay somebody to play goalie for you that isn't Miko Koskinen. Like, I, I just the Oilers just seem like such a tricky team to improve, which is weird because they have the two easy the, they have the two things that every franchise wants which are those two guys who can play up the middle who do it better than any other combination of two players in the NHL. And yet it's just like, it's, it's very, very weird to look at them and say, well, I don't know exactly how you improve around this core or how you feel so much better about it next season, especially given that, like, I don't know, I'm not Mr. Prospects, but, it doesn't seem as though there's a lot that's all of a sudden coming up and supplanting all these players or that they've got some kind of bounty of guys that are going to come and fill around the depth or the roster. You're not going to get guys to come to Edmonton for cheap like Toronto got with Thornton and with Spezza and Simmons. Like, I, I just – it, it, I will say it's weird because they were on this real hot streak and yet it feels strangely hopeless.
2: Well, it, they better hope that Broberg turns out, number one. They better hope he turns out. And if you get cleft bombed, that can give you a little bit – Yeah of light on your back end you gotta hope Bouchard his game picks up for me it's not where you expected it to be at this moment but these guys were taken in the top 10 and then Clefbaum can't stay healthy and he's, he's integral to this team being successful because their team like if, if you're breaking down last night's game and I've been saying this is what Toronto's been doing great all years getting the puck and going north fast the Bogosian snaps it up the ice gets it to Boyd sauce pass that's a goal within three seconds there was a goal from your end, last year the Leafs would have held on. They would have waited for everyone to come back. They would have tried to come up and beat you off the rush. Right? They're going fast. Not only the the Engvall with a quick bang bang play from I think it was Riley to Engvall cross ice uh, on the one VC goal as well. So it's just like, or I can't remember what goal it was, but they're just going up the ice fast. You watch the Oilers; they can't get the ice up fast or get the puck up the ice fast, and they can't get the puck to the guys in speed and transition. And that's why when you watch McDavid, if he doesn't have Barry or um, Nugent Hawkins on the ice with him, he's not getting the puck in speed. He's not getting the puck, you know, in open areas of the ice. They're not creating space for him, you know, the other players, especially off the back end. So if you look at the Leafs, they're the opposite. They have defense that are getting the puck up fast. They're hard to play against and they're doing the right things to get the puck to their forwards. So if there's just so much going on, but they better hope some of these young guys stick. Because if I'm looking at two players that are literally wasting their prime away from not getting into the playoffs now they're at 24 years old it's Eichel and McDavid these guys are the two of the best players in the league Eichel not playing like it right now but if you're these guys in another year or two and you see a team saying that your team is staying stagnant and you only got three four years left at that level because obviously they're going to play at a high level for another 10 years but at this level like most players get all their points in their 20s and I I don't know you start to ask the question maybe enough's enough
0: Yeah, I I thought we already went over this a little bit with McDavid even a year ago, right? Like, we've done this where it's, hey, how is this guy actually going to be willing to sacrifice all those years to stay on bad to mediocre teams? And yeah, this season, I, I just think it's going to be harder for them to swallow, considering that you only need to beat a couple of teams and that the team that you're measuring yourselves against, the Toronto Maple Leafs, his hometown team, just, you know, beat the wheels off you in three straight games. You end up in a playoff series with them right now. There's no reason to believe that the result's going to be any different after that. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, McDavid's entering his age 24, 25 season and the, you can see the end Of the dry sidle friendly contract. And yeah, I do do think that the conversation is always going to be there. And that's unfortunate, but it's just a reality. So for the Leafs, that's just, we said, they could have had a let-up game, man. They could have had a let-up game there and no one would have faulted them and they didn't. What do you make of that? Like, you know, you talked about the blue line. You talked about, like, everyone's been just discussing the maturity of this team. Where are you seeing the biggest difference? Where is this jump when you see a performance like this, where you see three straight games of consistency against the Oilers?
2: So the biggest difference I've seen was in game two. Game two could have been the game where they had the let-up. They went out there without uh, Austin. They played a great game one. Game two, everyone is expecting Connor to go off. Everyone is expecting a pushback, but what the Leafs did in the first period is they put the hammer down and they scored three goals in the first period, and that just tells that just tells me that they're a team not just scared to take it to another team, especially when they have a superstar like Connor. So last game last night's game was fine. i I already feel like they kind of they were beating the dead like they were beating a dead dog basically. the Oilers were down. Last night, they kind of still had the confidence about doing a you know a great job the first two games. So they went out last night and they took care of it. But this really, where it, it they really put their foot down, was in game two, first period, came out, three goals, and the Oilers had no answers for any of it.
1: Talking to Christopher Steig, yeah, the the defensive play from this team the last four games and obviously giving up one goal against a Connor McDavid team over three games and no points to Connor McDavid, that's getting it done, I would say. And yes, the blue line has been largely remade entirely this season, so that's, a I would say, a big reason why, and they've brought in players that have been very, uh very good, very responsible, especially the veterans. But I wonder how much credit should be given to, to Sheldon Keefe, who finally gets his first full season with this team, gets to really implement his game plan with them. How much should we be putting it at Sheldon Keefe's feet for the way they've played defensively this season?
2: Yeah, Sheldon's made a lot of good adjustments. And I think the adjustment he's best made is, again, what we've said is getting the puck and going north, not continually taking the puck back. Ragging it, puck possession's great, but if in the playoffs and at high pressure points of the game, if you're taking the puck back, you're going to get four checks. So, they've made little adjustments in their game that gets the puck going north. It's allowing them to attack. It's keeping sustained ozone time. And Sheldon has to be really credited for that. And the biggest thing, what I love about Sheldon Keefe is he doesn't worry about the media. The previous administration coached against the media, Sheldon does what Sheldon thinks is best for the team. Meaning he puts Austin Matthews and Marner together. There's no issue about it. And previously that wouldn't have happened, right? Those things didn't happen. He puts them out there for 23 minutes, media questions. Why are you putting them out there for 23 minutes? I don't care. I'm going to keep doing that. Previous administration would have done 18 minutes, kept it at that, capped it, pissed off the, uh, the, the, the star players. So, He's making his star players happy. He's giving them a system to thrive in at the moment, and he doesn't care what the media thinks, and he's playing his game plan, so you got to give him a ton of credit.
0: He's also just got a really good team. Like, yeah, I would imagine that no it's a lot easier to coach when you're like, hey, um, we've got three pairings that work. We're getting incredible goaltending. We've got veterans who decided to take basically no money relative to NHL terms to be here. And now all of a sudden you're getting real push from your depth. Zach Hyman, we kind of started the show today discussing him. That all of a sudden he's driving a line and we we're looking ahead and trying to wonder what his contract is or all these different things. But what are you seeing from Zach Hyman right now? Because he looks like he's taken on a little bit more responsibility and he's, his game just continues to look like it's evolving. Yeah. You can get him to drive that third line, or if you flip flop him
2: and Willie and can have Willie, you know, drive a third line, kind of like, I know he's not quite the level of Phil Kessel, but similarly to that, where you give him a line and let them drive, that'll be the difference between winning two, three series or not. That third line can solidify you as a cup contender. And that's why I think they still got to get out and get that center position. I know you have Angle do a pretty good job at the moment, but if you solidify that third line, whether it be Hyman driving it and you're getting production like this in the postseason, then you're going to go a long ways. I know teams I played on in the past, our third line won Stanley cups. Every time I've won a cup, it's the third line was massive in getting goals, keeping goals out, but timely goals. And that's what you're getting now. Hyman's a great player. He can go up and down the lineup. He's versatile. He can do so many things for you. Not many players play like that in this lineup, and he's the guy that really can change the outcome, especially going into a playoff run. If he can, if he can get another centerman to work with or angle somehow takes that position and runs, it's going to be a very good, and it's going
0: to be a game-changing line. Yeah, man. I, I like what Engvall has done, too. It's it's undeniable that he's been really, really solid over these last few games. But that's been my case as well, which is I think Mikheyev and Hyman are studs. And if you can put someone between them that is better than an Engvall, you've got a, a, a very, very serious third line. The problem is this is just going to be such a weird deadline with the COVID protocols, how much you're willing to... Do with that, like knowing that you have to have the quarantine, who's actually gonna be out there considering the divisions. Like, there's still we still haven't really entered a part of the year where we're hearing an abundance of names, and so that keeps it tricky. But no, I'm I'm absolutely with you when it comes to the third line. And okay, so that's the th- the other thing about this group, right? Is that it looks like they're only gonna get better. Like they're probably going to add at the deadline. We don't know what exactly, but it seems like all points indicate to them understanding the urgency of this season and what's in front of them, the opportunity they have. They're going to get Wayne Simmons back. They've been getting healthier. Um, Adversity. We've talked about complacency. Can a group like this get complacent? But what do you think the value of adversity is? Like do you build that up over time? Is that something that you're worried about? Is that something that you think about like not them not having a real stretch of play so far this season or potentially ever where they are playing from behind for large stretches or they have to go through it for a few games?
2: I think their adversity is just going to come from mental lagging at some point in, you know, in the next few months or month where they've got such a lead on the rest of the division that they're going to take nights off and to get that built up it's not easy and I don't think it's easy in this division I've kind of questioned it at the start they're not playing Washington or Boston right they're not playing Tampa Bay they're not playing um, well Colorado I thought was good but not right now Uh, they're not playing Vegas these teams that are true built cup contenders that I believe they're not going to get that competition until you know the semifinals. So where do you get that? They're going to have to somehow create um, a competition, whether it be in practice, to continually up their game, and to be ready to go, especially when the playoffs start. If they start, because, again, they're, they're really starting to take a lead on the division. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is a funny season because you can't go out and play these top teams to truly measure yourself against, but it is a question I do
0: have.
1: It's fine. I, I'll live with it. It's it's all right. Beaten. Hey, if uh, they make the
0: semifinals, teams, though, who cares, right? right
1: yeah, that's. Right. Big, I,
0: I know. Honestly, it's just such yeah. a weird thing because everyone keeps talking about it. And hey, obviously, a Stanley Cup would be the best thing, and everyone wants that. But yeah, if you make it to a semifinals and then you lose to the Lightning, is anyone going to go like, "Wow, they were frauds"?
1: No. And no, even no, the, I, You're right, yeah, Chris.
0: Yeah.
3: No, you're
1: you're
2: right. I guess th- there is that. So I mean. The thing is, they have to win this division. Clearly, yes. they're, they're clearly the best team, and there is that pressure. So there could be a series they play Montreal. It might be down two-one. Then you're going to see how the you know how the adversity hits and how they handle it in a in a playoff round, especially when they're going to be the favorites. Because I've played in playoffs where you're not the favorites, and it's a lot easier than going into a cup oh, run fair. like in 2010 when we're the favorites and you're down one game, two games, and then it starts oh, mounting fair. on you. So that. Yep. That's going to be questions for them to answer. They have the guys to do it, though. They really do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got veterans, good mix of, of guys that have been through these wars. Um, but, yeah, as far as adversity, yeah, it hasn't shown up in the standings, win-loss, but they've lost, you know, the best player on their team, best goal scorer maybe in the NHL for a couple of games. They've lost best player Jake in the Muzzin. NHL. Yeah, they've lost Jake Muzzin. They've been down their two top goaltenders. Yeah, man, and they still come out of it uh, on the other side. Um, so I guess it's not the Oilers that are their – closest rival in this division they've only seen the jets once we're going to see the jets for three games coming up after these two against the canucks is that the 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 team that you have the most hope of actually giving them a bit of a test this season is that the legit second best team in this north division the winnipeg jets
2: i had them at the start of the season finishing fifth i had you know edmonton um, calgary and then montreal and winnipeg was out but watching the way winnipeg plays they they would be... I mean, Montreal might be the hardest matchup. Yeah. They might be. I still don't think Montreal's that great of a team. I think they're well-built. They have a good team. They're not a great team, but they would be the hardest physical matchup for the Leafs. The most dynamic matchup against them, you would hope, would be Edmonton. It's not going to be just because they're back end and they're depth. But Winnipeg, I would now watch them and see that if Ealers gets gritty, gets a little grittier, plays harder in the playoffs does a little bit more he can bring that that bottom tier scoring up from the Jets they have two three top really good centermen uh, and Stasny too so yeah I mean they they for sure to me would be their their hardest full matchup because they they can kind of match them almost point for point
1: it'll be uh, a big week coming up in uh, Manitoba when they get But
2: that's that's just again look at like if that's their best their toughest matchup then exactly yeah I mean, they're a good team, Winnipeg. They're better than I thought, but yeah.
0: No, man. Coming into the season, everybody thought the same thing you did. It was Winnipeg was not in the conversation for the top four teams. And the fact that they're there, I think, is more of a testament to the rest of this division. And, you know, last week when – at the very beginning of the week on Monday, we do this hour with Justin Bourne, and we were discussing this, how it's like, man, if the Leafs really beat – the Oilers this way, and I never thought they were going to beat them like this, obviously. Who thought this was coming, where the Oilers only get the one goal? Uh, And one of those games is with Michael Hutchinson in that, and you're missing Matthews for two. Like, nobody saw this. But I really did believe that this was going to be the conversation, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it sucks, because I do think the Leafs are really, really good, and that they have taken all these steps, and that there are all these reasons to believe. But the division is just awful. Like, it's a really, really bad division. Like, I don't know where the Leafs are worse than any of the other teams. Like, their goaltending has been spectacular. I think it's been the best. Do I think that Hellebuck or Carey Price in a one-off can be better than Freddie Anderson in a postseason series? Like, of course I do. But the blue line has been incredible. I'm not trading the Leafs' blue line for anybody's. And then when it comes to, like, talent up front, I I think that that's also the Leafs, too. Like, there just doesn't seem to be a team that has any area where they have a real advantage over Toronto right now. And, yeah, Ben just brought up the coaching thing, and you mentioned it, too, and he's been great. Like, I don't know where the flaw is in the ointment.
2: No, there really isn't. And if you're if you're going to start to go outside the division, you can start to see trickier matchups. But Fine. within the yeah, exactly. But within the division, um, there there really isn't a team that can stack up per player for player against the Leafs. Or Feels like good. you said, coach, the, the way and and back to coaching, coaches can really get in the way of the team. The most important piece, and I'm going to say this, the most important piece to a team is the players. The players are the most important. I've had this argument before, you know, the old Belichick versus Brady. You know, Belichick's not throwing the ball. If you have a full stance, if you're going to sell tickets and you put two coaches on the bench and not players, no fans are showing up. But if you put players on the bench, no coaches, everyone's coming to watch. So the players, this is on the players, and it's about the coach guiding these guys and giving them his trust, and Keith's doing an incredible job at that because as a coach you definitely can get a great team to go backwards and he's pushing them forward. So, yeah, you do look at that. He's doing a great job.
1: He is. There are no nits to pick. Uh, Chris, always great stuff. Thanks, buddy.
2: It's better than when I was playing, hey, when you guys were all coming at me. Yeah, (laughs)
1: especially
0: me. I was was all over
2: you. (laughs) He's terrible. What did we trade for? We thought we got Doug Gilmore. We got Doug Uh, Glatt, you know. uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> this guy won a cup? That guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. sorry about Thanks, that. But... Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. See you, man.
1: Yeah. Chris Ristig. Uh one of our favorites. Yeah, that's the one thing about the Jets. At least they have a goalie, right? Like, even if they play like sure. doo-doo, the, yeah. at least they have a guy who won a Vezna, and he can throw up a 45-save performance mm-hmm. on you and steal a game, steal a series. That's one element that none of these other teams have.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it feels very reductive to do these things where you're like, well, they could get hot with a goalie. Like, yep, sure, anybody can. We've seen stranger goaltenders steal series than Connor Hellebuck. But to me, it just remains the same thing where, okay, the Jets have a record now. They've passed the Oilers. And why? Because the Oilers just played the Leafs. And the the team that has played the Leafs the least, guess where they sit? Second. And it's basically jostling back and forth of the teams that have to face the Leafs. And then it's like, (laughs) we're feeling pretty good about our year. And then you face the Leafs. And then you go back down, and then you get humbled.
1: That's a great point. That's a great point. You look at the Jets. They're second in the North Division. And you know what? They haven't lost back-to-back in regulation all season long. Guess what? They've also played the Toronto Maple Leafs once. (laughs) Once! That's right. It's just it's the last team that the Maple Leafs do not have a sizable sample against this season, and I, I guess you got to still hold back a little bit until they see them for the first extended period, which will be next week. But you're right. That's the whole reason they're second and past these other teams is because they haven't faced the juggernaut yet. They haven't had their faces caved in.
0: The Jets have won, I think, five of their last six games. Yeah. I think that's right. Played the Canucks. Lost three once, times. But, yeah. They played the Canucks four times. They've, three of their wins are against the Canucks in those last six. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Well, that's like the, the Oilers where they just came off a string of beating the Canucks and the Flames. Like the hottest team in the division.
0: Yeah. That's why you just you cannot measure these teams by what they're doing in the standings outside of the Leafs at this point. The Leafs are the only one where you can say, well, this is the rest is just the same mediocre to <laughs> bad. That's all but, it is. I but, think the yeah. Oilers and the Jets are mediocre teams, and the, and the Habs can get up there. I actually agree with Chris that if there's a playoff matchup, I think would be hardest for Toronto, based on what we've seen so far, that it is Montreal. Montreal has pushed them, and there is always going to be that lingering, can Carey Price recapture things. But I, I still think Montreal is the worst thing you could see in the postseason. Right as of right now, the Jets series—you can change people's minds a little bit—but I, I, I don't believe that you're going to. Sorry, I just don't.
1: Yeah, the Leafs are the best team in this division, mm-hmm. and I think by a wide margin. But the mm-hmm. games—even if that's the case—they're not supposed to look like they did the last three games like that's not that's unusual (laughs) it's not supposed to be that easy it's not supposed to look like men against boys for three straight against a team that has so much to play for that has the best team uh player on the planet um yeah but that's the way they look right now because they are a juggernaut all right our next guest is a former nhl all-star also uh host of dropping the gloves podcast And on his most recent episode, you can hear the anecdote uh, and his response to this question. What happens when the Maple Leafs have to play a team like the Bruins, Golden Knights, or Lightning? And our next guest, John Scott, doesn't see it going well for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mr. Scott joins us online right now. How's it going, John?
3: Not bad. How are you?
1: Good, man. First you go do
0: the Phil Kessel thing. Now you got to do this. What's the deal? Why do you hate Toronto so much? (laughs)
3: <laughs> I don't hate them. You know what's funny? Growing up, all my friends loved the Leafs. And yep. so for some reason, like, I'm not going to like this team. And I grew up a yep. Bruins fan, so it just happened that way.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, you've just been manifesting this for years and years and years, and now it's spilling out onto your podcast. That's what you're saying? Like, <laughs> that's what you want to
3: <laughs> No, I wish it was true, but it, it just, I don't know. I don't think the Leafs are going to do well once they hit the the final four. I don't know. I just... That's
0: that's my opinion. So, yeah, we wanted to break this down with you a little bit because, man, they just came off of a three-game set with the Oilers where they completely took them apart. And I, I guess, like, no one's really doubting that the division is bad. Everybody's pretty cognizant of this at this point. Like, even with the Jets, who are now in second, it's like, why are the Jets in second? Well, because they haven't played the Leafs. And so their record looks like it's a little bit inflated. But... To us, this seems like a two things can be true thing, where it's like, hey, the division is not very good, but also that the Leafs are different. Like they just locked down Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle for three straight games, where they ended up with no goals. Like they scored one goal over three games. You don't see like a different Toronto Maple Leafs team defensively.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. They are better. They are improved. But I was just thinking about this. I liken it to a, a boxer who just knocks guys out in the first round. Competition, and he does it for fifty-six straight fights. Then all of a sudden, he, he steps into the ring with with a guy who knows what he's doing, and you're not used to, you know, that slugfest, that ten-round, twelve-round fight. And it's like, wh- how are you going to do when for the first fifty-six fights or fifty-six games in the Leafs situation where it has been fairly easy? because these teams are playing, they're not great. Like, we thought this North Division was going to be so strong and great, and Vancouver hasn't shown up, Calgary's terrible, Edmonton, I think they're showing the true colors. Ottawa's a good story, but they're not that tough of an out. So, honestly, who scares them? Do they even get nervous when they walk to the rink? I think if you go through a season like that, it's hard to get prepared for a playoff series versus teams that have been doing that for the better part of a a whole season. So that's my only worry with the Leafs. And I think that'll be their downfall. I really do
1: so then that there's nothing they can do to convince you because this is not changing (laughs) they are going to play 56 games against these teams and it's hard to imagine them looking any better than they have through this run and yeah standings wise top of the NHL there is not one thing that they can do like what if they again go through a rash of injuries and it's a little tougher against these middle tier opponents because remember not all these games have come at full strength as well there's been little adversity things here and there with the goalies going down and Austin Matthews missing a couple of games There's, there's nothing you can see during this 56-game sample to make you think otherwise.
3: Well, no, because they've already, like, they've knocked it out of the park the first 25 games, right? And, and it's no, this isn't the Leafs' fault. They're just a really good team. Like, they're a really good team. They're built really well. It, it, it's just the nature of the beast. They don't have the competition. They're going in, and they're the alpha male, the varsity team, and they're playing junior varsity every single night, and they're just mopping the floor with them. And it makes me worried. If I'm your GM, I'm getting a little nervous. It's like, listen, we just played arguably the next best team in the division, and we skunked them twice with two backup goalies, and we beat them 5-1 the next night, we outscored them 13-1. Like, where are we going to find this competition? Are we going to do inter-squad games? Like, where are we going to find some competition for these guys? It, it makes me nervous. So I, I don't see anything that can happen over the next few months that is, that's going to change my mind, because they're a to walk this regular season. Like, they already are. Nothing's going to change the second half of the year.
0: I guess the pushback from us has been, hey, it actually adds pressure to them in a way because now there's absolutely no excuse not to come out of the North and be in a semifinal, right? Like, if they lose to one of these teams, there's no, oh, well, they ran into a hot goalie and what are you going to do about it? It's like, uh uh-uh. You are already proving that the bar is 100% higher. There's some internal pressure to make sure that you keep that and then once you get there, like, if the Leafs get to a semifinal, even if they're not as good as the Lightning or the Golden Knights, or you know, like, okay, so maybe they weren't. But then that's okay. At least you built towards something. I guess the question is, we were discussing it earlier, right, where there's a little bit of fear, and we talked about it with Christopher Steig too, which is... What happens when you don't have that adversity? When you don't know what it's like to not play from the front? When you have been front runners all season, what happens when you have to get punched in the mouth and you are playing a team that plays tougher and you need to kind of find that next level? My. My thing is, like, okay, well, I know Joe Thornton's done that. I know Wayne Simmons has done that. I know Jason Spetz has done that. And this Leafs team as a whole, like, they've played the Bruins in the playoffs the last couple of years. Like, they took them to seven games a couple of times. Does that stuff accumulate over time, or does that happen just with a team season to season? Like, I I would have to think that the core has some lingering feelings of what it was like to be in those situations against teams like that.
3: Oh, for sure. I think you nailed it on the head. They brought in guys who know how to deal with those situations. Zach who won the cup last year. He's a perfect right. guy for that crew. But I just feel like it's almost like muscle memory. And I'm not trying to dump on the leagues. Like They're an amazing team. Like they're, They have an amazing group of forwards. I think their defensemen are good. I think Anderson is an underrated goaltender in this league. I think he's a star. I just feel like the, the league, the way it is this year, they're it's a disservice for them not to be able to go around and play these teams and see how they stack up because you learn things from playing teams. If if you go into Washington or Pittsburgh or Boston and you just get your doors beat off, you remember that and you become, you're more prepared the next time you play. But if you don't see them the whole season and then all of a sudden you're playing in the playoffs, you can't afford to lose the first two games. Like you can't afford to be caught off guard. Every game counts as we all know. So, I just think it's no, you know, issue of their own. It's just this is how the COVID thing kind of shaped out this year, and it's going to end up biting them in the butt at the end of the day. And and I wish it was different. I would love to see Toronto make Stanley Cup playoffs. It's good for the hockey. It's good for the game. But man, I just think they're up against it this year based on this North Division and how terrible it is. It's absolutely terrible. These teams.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're not fighting back on, on that because the Leafs have taken care of You them. know what,
0: though? Hold on, because this is actually important. Do you not believe, though, that the net positive is good because, hey, listen, they're going to be the big-time frontrunners to come out of this division, right? Like, they're facing this crappy competition, so there's obviously a drawback of, hey, you don't get to learn certain things about yourself. But what you do get is the opportunity to go play in that conference finals, and then like, once you're there, anything can happen, plus... I'm assuming that you don't believe, like we do, that the gap between them... So even if we believe that the Golden Knights and the Lightning are better, right? That we believe those teams are better. That the net positive of even being able to potentially get to that point is so much greater than you know, not being able to test yourself oh, at es- times. Oh,
1: especially if those first two series are four-game series sweeps and, like, you're healthy for a third-round matchup. Oh, wow, we just did that. Okay. Yeah,
3: uh, see, I, I think they, they could use a six- or seven-game series. If, if, if they don't want to make a run and they want to really do something, they need to scare in the first two series. That mm-hmm. That's my opinion. You can't just walk through the first two. You build bad tendencies as hockey players, and, and you see it during training camp. Guys come in, they're used to summer hockey. They're used to just floating around, flipping the puck, doing these great moves, and you see it the first couple of weeks. Then you, could, you have to work those tendencies out. The Leafs are, I don't want to say they're building bad tendencies, but when you get the puck in the neutral zone and you don't have a defenseman right near you not gapped up well because you're playing a terrible team like Calgary or Edmonton, and they're not terrible, but they're not solid defensively. You build bad tendencies. Maybe you keep your head down a split second longer where you should keep your head up because you're going to get buried if you're playing a good defensive team like St. Louis. Hmm. Those tendencies build up. And if you play fifty six teams and then you have a cakewalk in the playoffs, all of a sudden you take a pass and you're really knee-lander in the middle of the ice, you're not expecting Char to come to the middle. You're gonna it's it's gonna hurt. And yeah. so that's it makes me really nervous, guys. I, I don't know. I, I'm kinda dug in on my position. I, I hope I'm wrong like I said, but it's gonna be fun to see how they stock up against these really good teams because they are an elite team.
0: Yeah, and I'll and I'll admit too that After they – when last night's game was 5-1, I was kind of like in this feeling of it would be great to see them play these teams. We've really enjoyed the North Division and especially at the beginning of the year because, yeah, man, it it, it stokes rivalries. And uh, I love being able to text my friends who live in different parts of the country like, yeah, man, you're born in Edmonton. Like, you know how it is. Like, you – probably grew up, you know, hating uh, the Leafs or liking one team and everybody... Like, that's just being a Canadian. That there was something really cool about this. There has been something special about it. But it is dissipating a little bit with the the gap between Toronto and the other teams, right? Like, I think that it's it yeah. doesn't feel as good when you're watching them, just like you put it, play the junior varsity teams. and And that's kind of starting to be the way that it feels. And now they've got this series coming up against Winnipeg where, boy, if Winnipeg gets the same result as the Oilers where it just looks like the Leafs versus another also ran, that's going to be a big topic of conversation, but we're doing like, we're doing this thing where we're looking for these signs where in the past, the Leafs have had these brutal let up games. Like, man, they lost to a Zamboni driver last year. Like that happened. They lost to yeah. a freaking Zamboni driver. And so what we are seeing is that those veteran guys seem to have had a huge impact, that the younger core guys, like Austin Matthews, looks like he's taken complete ownership over this team. He looks like he's actually, like, the on-ice captain every single night. Marner, same thing. Nylander's been more consistent, like... So, we've said it. There's certain things that you cannot learn about this team because we're not going to get the competition. But from what you have been able to see, you know, what have you noticed in terms of the biggest difference from last year to this one, where at least we're even comparing the Leafs to those teams? Because last year, we wouldn't have, been, if John Scott said, Hey, I don't think the Leafs are like the Golden Knights or the Lightning, we'd have been like, uh, Yeah, no duh, man. They suck. Yeah,
1: that's why they should trade Tyson Berry at the deadline. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I have seen a lot. And, and they're a drastically improved team from last year, just from top to bottom certainly their depth is there when you have hyman on the third line those guys getting up and down the ice that's an exciting line to watch jumbo came in he produced right away spezza what happened to him from last year to this year he is a completely different player he he controls the play it's really nice to see him where i see the biggest difference is on the back end i think tj brody slotted in just nicely i think muzzins kind of not that he was bad last year but he's fitting in a better way this year I think Morgan Riley's playing great. That decor is really, really vastly improved from last year. And then Freddie Anderson's playing great. When you can win against the, your best competition with three goalies, like that's unheard of. When you just slaughter three different guys, three separate nights, it's, it's a testament to how well they're playing defensively because I, I watched that game. Mike Smith was Edmonton's best player and he let in five, five goals. He was their best players in the series. and He let in 10 goals. Like that's, that's saying a lot when the best player gives up 10 goals. So they're they're firing on all cylinders. Like they they do not have a chick in the armor right now, and they're gonna be hard to beat. They're gonna be hard out in the playoffs. I so it's gonna be fun to watch if they slot in against a Vegas or a Tampa Bay. That's that's gonna be much must watch hockey for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I can't wait for it if it does end up happening. Talking to John Scott, one more for me at least. What what is the head coach's role in this then? Because like I, I'm sure there's the conversations happening in there as well. Like hey, yeah. Uh, uh, we're we're doing we're only beating the teams that we can because they're on our schedule. But there's a larger goal at hand here, and it's winning a Stanley Cup. Do you just like berate these guys after every win? You're like, you're not that good. You're not that good. You actually stink. <laughs> <a loser>. like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do?
3: No, you just keep them honest. You keep them accountable, and I think that's where having these older guys in the locker room—they're like, listen, boys, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, we're good but we haven't done anything yet. Like Jumbo's been through it. Spezza's been through it. All these guys, and the great thing about it, they're chasing cups. So they're hungry. Like Spezza and Jumbo, they want the cup bad, and they came here to win the cup. And it's it's nice that they're going to be a locker room to keep these guys focused. And the one luxury, another luxury see is they've already solidified they're the number one seed. They, they can go 500 the rest of the way, and they're locked in. The coach and the GM can now focus their attention on other teams around the league and really do an in-depth scout. We're like, okay, who do we think is going to come out of these divisions? Let's focus on them. Let's figure out how we match up. Well, what we can do, what their tendencies are, power play, penalty kill, four check, those sorts of things. I don't think these other divisions have the luxury to just go and sit in Toronto for a month and be like, let's see what the Leafs are working with. Because they're they're fighting for their life in those other divisions. So that, that's actually a good thing that can come of this.
1: The, the podcast is called Dropping the Gloves. It is hosted by John Scott, who was kind enough to join us today. John, thanks for this. Thanks, bro. No
3: problem, fellas. This is fun.
1: Take care, man. Yeah, likewise. See ya. It's John Scott, uh, former NHL All Star.
0: I get it, and we're gonna keep doing it. This like this conversation isn't going anywhere. This is going to be the Kyle Lowry conversation, but for Leafs fans, where every time it comes up, certain parts of the fan base are gonna go, enough already. Please don't talk about this anymore. Raptors fans, I think it's there. With Lowry, it's, is he going to get traded or not? You're either, you're you're probably in one camp or the other, but we can all agree that we can't wait for the deadline to pass so that it does not have to hang over things any longer because it sucks and it's uncomfortable. With this division, it's going to continue to be a story. Hey, what are they really? What can we learn? Will there be complacency? Will there be a lack of urgency. Will another team be fighting for their playoff lives come the end of the season, catch the Leafs? They're a little sleepy, and all of a sudden, a team like the Montreal Canadiens that's been battling for that four seed for the last month of the year, will they be hot at the right time? Will they be the New York Giants? And will the Toronto Maple Leafs just be some unsuspecting saps who rested on their laurels and get pounded out? Maybe. 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 It'll keep coming up. But that's the only... That's the thing why I find the conversation to be a little bit boring is that it's just... I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm really not. And I know that we are homers, so it's hard to say that and go down that path. But, okay, so... Maybe they do, and then we'll judge them off of that. And in fact, I actually think you'll learn a lot more about the makeup and the composition of the group through this thing. They're going to be rested. They're going to have all these advantages. They're going to be in this division. They've been given every opportunity, right? This is now the the Maple Leafs of the rich kid that's been handed every opportunity. And guess what? When they screw up, you're going to look at it and say, well, I'm sorry, but you went to the best school. You had all the nicest things. You had all the access to all the tutors. I... What are we supposed to do here? This is on you now. There is no excuse. There is no, oh, wow, yeah, no, your upbringing was pretty tough, and so we got to kind of give – no, they've had everything. All the advantages have been there. They're going to be judged very, very harshly come playoff times. They were also, though, going to be very judged extremely harshly in this regular season. If they looked mediocre, if they had dips in production, if they had – they were but barely nothing.
1: winning it. Like, if they That's were, it. If they won the division by a couple of points –
0: dude, that's it, is that it's not even that they're passing these tests at this point, it's that they're blowing them out of the water. And so if the concern, if your champagne problem is, are they better than the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are the defending Stanley Cup champions? I think that just tells you a really great thing about the state of the franchise. <laughs>
1: yeah, guess what like, we weren't doing? That conversation last year. Yeah, uh, We were not. We did yeah. not have that conversation. And here's the thing that we were talking about, at least I was, like a uh, week and a half, two weeks ago, before these four games, it was like, yeah, they've been great, and they're winning, and they're value for their wins, but they haven't looked like the truly dominant team in these games. There's a lot of one-goal games, and PDO's kind of high, and blah, 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 blah. I don't think the rest of the season is going to look like this, but they have improved how they've looked over these four games. Like, they're getting better.
0: Yeah. It should also be stated, and I think you referenced this a little bit, but we didn't really stick with it the other day. It's like, I think there's a lot of bad teams in hockey right now. Like,
1: yes, there's, it should be noted that, uh, I think it was Terry Koshan said, that they have not played eight of the ten worst teams in hockey. And records yeah. are weird, again, because, no. uh, you know, it. what does that mean? The, that's. But yeah. in the standings, there's eight of the bottom ten teams in the NHL. The Maple Leafs don't get the pleasure of playing them.
0: Right. I'm just saying that if you went into the Central Division, right, where the big, bad Tampa Bay Lightning live, you go to the Central Division, you drop the Oilers in there, do I think that they're sitting third, necessarily, like they are right now? Maybe not. But are they ahead of the – like, they were – like, are they with the Blackhawks? Yeah. Look, these are the teams that are in the Central Division, the Stars, the Red Wings, the Predators, the Blue Jackets. And I know that a lot of our audience probably isn't paying attention to those teams, but, like, the Dallas Stars have won uh, six games this year. They were in a six. Cup final. But yeah. Six. Six games. They, they, they've they won six. <laughs> it was six a games. memorable cup final. The Ottawa know, Senators have, have won eight. The <laughs> Ottawa Senators have won eight games. The Mighty Ducks, same thing. Six wins. Sharks, eight. They're That's the Ducks West. Di- the West division is full of nothings and also rands. And then at the top, they've got the same couple of good no. teams. So it's like, yeah. I guess you get to test yourself against some That's better teams the at the very top. Yeah. But on a pretty nightly basis, outside of, I would say, the East division, it's mm-hmm. a lot of crap. And the East also has the Sabres. Like, I don't no, know. It's, it's just
1: like, how how much different would their record look in a different division? Maybe there's a couple I fewer For sure. wins, but like one or Dude. two. That's what we're talking about. It's not right. like, well, there are a 500 team in the East. Like what? No. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great point. If you just took the second place team or the first first or second place team in any of these divisions and swapped them out for the Jets or the Oilers, how different is this conversation? Yeah. Like are we even doing this here, right? Like if you take the Blues and you put them in the North and you take out the Oilers, it did, how, how much does this change everything? If you take the Bruins and you put them in the North and you take out the Canadians, like, all right. I'm just saying that a lot of these teams are dealing with a lot of the same issues, which is that the schedule is weird. You're playing all the same teams. I don't think it's – unless you are the Lightning or the Bruins or the Golden Knights and you've done it year over year or the Blues, right? Like, you already have that established track record. Then, like, right. yeah, didn't, nothing is proven. What? Yeah, what we're are we about know,
1: Two teams that have – well, one that just won a Stanley Cup and another that was in a cup final a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. That's why they get the benefit of the doubt. Guess what the Maple Leafs haven't done? Won a freaking playoff series right. in 20 years. So, yeah, it, it's, I get it. But it's largely a stupid conversation.
0: Also had All to right. play the Bruins twice and the Capitals once, and then a weird season where they came back and lost in a five-game set, which wasn't playoffs to the Jackets. Like. <laughs> Maybe they would have won a playoff series if they got to play in the Pacific. Maybe that would have happened. Probably, I would guess. Probably Leafs would have won one of these years if they have got to swap out and play one of these crappy teams like the Canucks instead of, you know, the Bruins.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.